When I was a kid, you used to give Valentines to all the all the people you wanted to give them to, little cards with little little candy thingies in them. Oh. Probably All now right. they just swipe right. <laughs> Fairway to Heaven, a live golf podcast. My name is Sue Ann Hingen. With me, of course, is my co-host, Jerry Fultz. We are now back in our Zoom boxes. <laughs> um, thankfully, I don't have to sit next to him. Um, but yes, thank you so much for joining us. Let's recap um, what happened last week. Oh, my gosh. I'm still jet lagged, by the way. A little tired. How long have you been home? uh a day less than a day oh, less than 24 hours yeah, no no excuses last week was vegas you froze your tail off out there i was freezing oh in the booth God. too but you froze i'm your still tail thawing off out there. i'm still thawing yeah. out by the way it was so cold it was so cold but what a great event i mean when it was i mean it, we had two weeks of a perfect storm for live golf quite honestly but when you get the final group of dj bryson and john rom Fighting it out in the second event of the year, you know John Rahm, obviously the big newsmaker, and uh, and coming down to the finish, it did. Unfortunately, Rahm didn't have his best stuff on Sunday, but it still wasn't, an, and neither did Bryson for that matter. But mm -hmm. uh, but what a finish! Yeah, it was awesome, and and the way DJ finished, I think he birdied. What was it? Three of his last six? Was it? Yeah, I think it was like three that. of his last yeah. six. Yeah, to, yeah, he to turned him. it on. Yeah, by the time he birdied thirteen, and I was with his group, by the time he birdied thirteen. I was like, here we go. You know, you can just yeah. tell that little pep in his step. And then he birdied again. I can't remember which hole. Then he birdied 17, which was huge because that got him, yeah. I think, something like a one-shot lead or something going to 18, right? Oh, 18. That's right. He Remember, he hit it in the right rough, and he took a drop from the uh, TIO scoreboard. And then uh, and then Austin was saying something to him. He's like, no, hell no. Let's just win it right here. And he hit that iron shot that nobody else could hit. Over the greens, probably instant bogey. Short left, and he's got that putt up from the valley. And, that, you know, likely three puttable. And, and he just landed it right in the upslope, stuck it to 10 feet. It was That was really cool. It was an epic second shot. I, I mean, it was I was right there when he hit it. And the wind was all over the place. Like, right behind where the, the gallery club was, you know, the wind was blowing in one direction and then right where the 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 18th green was there was like absolutely no wind there was no wind that the flag wasn't moving whatsoever and he hit this thing right uh, right over the scoring thingy the terminal and it was just a, a very very pretty shot it was awesome it was epic and i and i then asked greg on air i'm like what do you rate that shot greg and he goes oh ah, yeah you know like six and a half i'm like the hell like for you it might be six and a half greg <laughs> but for me it was like a 12 out of a 10 type of golf shot i would have never been able to yeah. pull that off it was, was he birdied awesome. 13 15 13 15 and 17 to to pull back in front over taylor yeah. huge but right. uh yeah. yeah greg hit a lot of great shots in his life but he also hit some bad ones on 18 too and he'd be the first to admit it and by yeah. the way dj and greg uh dj and greg have had very similar careers similar amounts of wins worldwide sim uh, the same number of majors very similar careers yeah yeah noah's awesome and then how about team smash graham mcdowell coming through you know five under bogey free on a saturday that was so goddamn hard just he was just you know I, I mean i spoke to him after the round and he was so proud of himself and you can just tell he was just so happy and a sense of relief you know like 
okay, yeah, I still got this, you know, and, 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 you know, he was very candid in his interview and he said, you know, I certainly felt like being on this team had reignited his yeah. kind of career in some ways. Right. Valid, yeah. Validating, yeah. validating the, um, Brooks's vote of confidence that he gave him. I mean, he Graham had a crappy year last year. He finished very close yeah. to the relegation zone. And to yeah. be the MVP, basically, as he was Sunday in Vegas for their team, was pretty incredible. And by the way, he didn't play well in Mayakoba. It came in like tight 48th, I think it was. And and to then, you know, kind of start afresh and go into Vegas and bring his best golf, you know, in those conditions, it's, it's impressive and, and good for him. I mean, so deserved and you can just tell he's so happy, you know, and um, yeah. such a good guy too. So I think we're all rooting for him and was, was nobody's really rooting for him much. more than I am. Nobody roots for him more than I am because literally when you look at our broadcast team, who's the most replaceable person. Thank you. Who's the most likely person to take his job. Graham McDowell kick ass out there, Graham, seriously for a few more years. Anyway, take me to Medicare and we're good. I thought you were going to like come up with something really nice. And then you just. <laughs> no, I just, just want my job. Own, and he's the first guy to take it. Job security. Nice. It is. It is an individual sport. And you know that. So I'm just looking at it from my competitive aspect. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, that was the trade. I think personally for me anyway, I said, I speak for myself. Um, I think it was a trade that was probably very surprising to me. Um, in the off season, um, not you, because you're of talking any... McDowell. Yeah, that's an yeah. acquisition. Yeah, he it wasn't yeah. traded for anybody. Well, sorry, it wasn't yeah, a trade, yeah. but yeah, um, you're tired. It's all right. You, you're you're allowed. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm so tired. <laughs> um, just got back from a school run as well. Um, but uh, yeah, anyways, it was just kind of an, a, a surprising move for Smash, you know, and I did not see that one coming. So for him, but then. The minute I stepped into Mayakoba and I saw them as a team, I yeah. was like, ah, this makes sense. Like, th Agreed. this is a great fit, you know? And, uh, and with Taylor on that team, it was just, they look like they just fit in. So it was awesome. It was good. Yeah. Taylor was, Taylor was the news making, uh, news making trade. But look, I mean, both guys in that trade, Taylor and Wolf, both played awesomely. In Vegas, mm -hmm. that was, I think yeah. it's going to turn out perfectly for both captains. All right. Well, let's introduce our next guest. We know him as the Rat, and I guess his best friends know him as the Rat. Caleb Surratt from Legion Thirteen, the youngest player on our league. Let's let him in. Where are you? You moved out of your dorm, but you're in Knoxville. Where are you? In a, I'm in Knoxville right or? now. Yeah, I'm in Knoxville. Cool. Just a a. a a room, a cell. Yeah, where? I have a. So one of my <laughs> friends that I know, his dad owns a uh, mother-in-law, like a house, and it has a mother-in-law suite under the garage or beside the garage. Um, so it's pretty good setup, and he's just letting me rent out for like eight hundred bucks a month. It's not bad at all. Wow, perfect. It is a good fit. It really is. You're the Brock Purdy of Live Golf. That's it. That's that's what I'm going yeah. for. Uh -huh. Um. Did you watch the Super Bowl? I did. This yeah, I did. I uh, who are you? Who are you rooting for? I was to rooting with? for Brock Purdy. I'm a big Brock Purdy fan. I'm really, I'm a really big Christian McCaffrey fan. Um, because he played in Carolina for a long time, so it's hard not to root for him. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what do you think of the halftime show? I got. I can't lie to you. I didn't watch it. 
I was, I was I like snoozing. More I was snoozing. I, that's when I took the 30 minute nap. I, I, I was coming off of a huge travel night because I got on a red eye after the tournament. I didn't wait till the morning. Um, right. So I uh, was just exhausted. So, but yeah, I watched the whole thing. Was that your? That was your first time in Vegas, wasn't it? Yeah, first Last time. Last week. Yeah, I mean, what I don't was think your, I got... How was your experience outside? I think the it golf? would be. I think it would be a lot different <laughs> if I was 21 and didn't just have to, you know, sit in the room. But um, <laughs> it was pretty cool. I mean, we went out after the final round and walked around Vegas, me and my, me and my folks, mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know, did the whole shebang. Did Caesars, you know, the Blige, all everything, right? Did the monorail, did the sphere. Um, Wow. Before that party. So uh got to see it all. It's wild. There's so many people there. So I like I felt like everyone on this planet was in Vegas that week. I just mm -hmm. was like That's so crowded. Like. Did you watch any shows? Did you catch anything at the sphere or I wanted to go to a U2 concert, but we just couldn't work it out at the time. Um I wanted to go. I really did. Um I know Tyrrell went to an Adele concert, so he said that was fun. Yeah, I think a few people went, and apparently oh. it was um was pretty pricey. I think that week, the U two thing. Well, the U two, the Adele, I think just about any like concert was. Just it was like, just they could jack the prices up and be like, "What are you going to do? Not go? You know, you're already here." So yeah, um. right. So nineteen year old Caleb Surratt knows uh, is familiar with U two. Uh, obviously, he's heard of Adele, but didn't watch the halftime show. We are like kindred spirits, seriously. You two is awesome, but that's kind of almost back to my generation and your dad's generation. Well, I'm gonna correct you. I don't know anything about you two. I've never. I don't. I, I can't. I don't know one of their songs by heart, but I know they perform there, and I know okay. they're popular. So we'll edit that part out. Just let it be <laughs> with the question. It was good enough. Just edit that part out. <laughs> I want to be like. Sorry. Name me a you two song. That's that's. <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, With or without done. you, come on! Before my day. First of all, I didn't know your dad was a competitive long driver. I, I'm sure we, your dad and I, have many friends in common because I covered that when Golf Channel owned the property for a while, the World Long Drive Championships, and got to know all those guys very well. But uh, he's been an influential part of your career. He got you your start in golf. You wanted to swing as big, extra long drivers in the garage when you were taught, didn't you? That's it. Yeah, we have like I can't. I, I seriously can't put a pen to paper how many of those drivers we have in our garage so that's kind of how it all started i mean they were taller than me you know when i started playing so um you know it's cool we uh my dad used to go out and compete in mesquite right where the world dollar drive championships were and kind of cool that the next time he was in vegas you know was when i was playing there 20 years later yeah that's that awesome cool. when did he stop competing he's so he went from like 96 to 03 or 04 i think like the, his last World Long Drive Championship was like the year that I was born, and he tried to take me, and it was just not working. So, was he was he and ever the part of? Sorry, Jerry, was he ever part of um, coaching you from a young age? Or I would say he played probably the biggest role. To be honest, um, he, I mean, he was the one that took me out there for the first 10, 12 years, you know, of, of my golfing. So. Uh, um yeah he 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 was full coach still is coach sometimes <laughs> when i'm really searching he's kind of the guy i go back to because he's he's not up to up to speed with all the you know the new teachings and all that he's more like you know keep it with the buttons on your shirt you know line up straight you know same stuff so <laughs> but he uh you but you also have three siblings all who do competitive athletics uh, a younger sister who's uh, on a cheer team 
one who's soccer, your young, I guess your own younger brother was soccer turned golf and then a, a, a travel softball catcher, um, which kept your parents very busy, especially with your dad, as it read, reads, uh, who has to work weekends sometimes in his real estate job. So he couldn't have been there for you every minute of the day. Yeah, he uh, so, you know, I mean, we've had such a busy lifestyle, right, because we have you know, not only me and my brother and sister, right at the time, we now have like our youngest sister, Bailey, who's like a competitive cheer. And she's, I mean, she's better than I am at my job. And she's better than my sister as a softball at her, at what she does. Like she is all over the place. She's crazy. So between, between those three priorities, right? Like it's impossible to split time. So, um, you know, I think it's one thing that's actually benefited me a lot though, because I've learned kind of how to be independent on the road. Um, Cause you know, the past couple of years, I've been doing a lot of my traveling by myself and it's, it's not anything that I'm not grateful for, but you know, it has been a bit of a struggle and a learning curve at probably a younger age than most people. So it was funny because we rode back in the car with Caleb after covering him when he finished what 13th in Mayakoba and singing the praises and talking to his coach, uh, Brennan Webb and doing all this. And we ride back with him and he says, <laughs> after grilling him with questions like this, so which company you guys work for? That was the best. That? that was probably my favorite <laughs> moment. We're riding back to the Paris with Caleb and his agent in the back seat, and we have our big <laughs> boss in the front, and we're just like, yeah, having this like chat, and just like as we're turning into the Paris, he goes, "So, which company do you guys work for?" <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I've just I've been so delayed on everything. A, a lot of life has hit me fast, so <laughs> there yeah, was not there's no, not I a bet. lot of things I'm up to speed on. <laughs> Yeah, but. I bet. I mean, speaking of which, you know, what, what, how did that, I know, I, I think you already mentioned it, but let's, for the sake of people who are listening in, how did that whole call come about and who called you and how did you decide and what was that process like? Yeah, it was a bit of a different dynamic. Um, you know, I have known John for a while uh, and I was, I've been itching, right? I've been itching for so long to, be a professional golfer like no matter when that opportunity came and then it all kind of started around the jones cup um this past you know a couple weeks ago so it, it happened very fast probably much faster than most players have experienced um you know the from the moment of interest to the moment of receiving a call from john and receiving a you know all the information from from greg and stuff like the or mr norman probably is more after we'll sweat um <laughs> to then signing was like a total of it was right around two weeks or less like it, it was just so much faster there was no real negotiation like it was just a win-win-win you know on every side so um it was that's very amazing. fast it, i couldn't have been ple more pleased because that's that's how i like rolling um you know so it was you know but with that speed comes a little bit of a shock right you know so um and that's kind of still setting in, but you know, it's uh, just part it, of life. It it got leaked out pretty quickly. I mean, we had all heard it's about so, it. So, yeah, it yeah, got it got leaked quickly. like within two or three hours of me saying that I was gonna that I was that me privately saying that I was gonna do it. So I don't know who where it came from. I don't know. You know, and it's just these leak artists, right? These and it's you know, it was on Instagram and then it was on Google and it just happened so fast i was shocked um but we knew it was coming right after that right, leak right. did you get calls or, or text from yeah. people friends like I, had a I got a new like? phone <laughs> i got a new phone i i just had to kind of 
I kind of had to back up. It was, you know, it was, I think a lot of my closest friends actually kind of had a lot of respect in the sense of like knowing that I'm getting blown up. So they're not going to reach out. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the texts I was getting were just people I didn't really know, to be honest. Um, but you know, it was, I was thankful for all the support no matter who it was, but, uh, it, it was shocking how fast it was. Did it get leaked out before you had a, a chance to talk to coach Webb? It did not. No. So, you know, of course I was supposed to keep my circle very small in the whole process, but he was the biggest, um, he, he was the biggest, you know, piece. Like he, he was a big piece. He was, uh, he was the guy who kept up speed with everything. He was included in the decision. And the one thing we did, which I don't know if I should say, but the night I, I knew I was going to sign in the morning. Right. So we went ahead and broke it to the team that night. We had a big meeting and a big just, you know, talk, right? Like, because I, I think out of respect, my teammates shouldn't find out from a Twitter leak, you know? Like, that's just yeah. – so I, we we made a point to do that. Um, but Webb knew. Webb knew as soon as I did, to be honest. And so it's was... actually funny. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, so I was, I was going to go play in the Desert Dubai Classic, actually. And I was fortunate to get receive that exemption, right? And and I ended up not doing it because it was so close to my COBA because Liv had just happened out of the blue, right? But Webb, uh, me and Webb talked that night before. It was the night that I was going to tell him, and I told him that because he was going to come caddy for me in Dubai. And he was like, I was telling him about it, and he was like, well, to be honest, the only reason I was going to go caddy for you in Dubai, one of the biggest reasons was because if we go play well, John Rom would probably offer you a spot on his team. <laughs> so, and then, and then I was like, and then I was like, well, speak it. Well, speaking of that fact, um, yeah, that just happened actually. <laughs> so, well, uh, we might- so you, I'm sorry, Suzanne. Though he mentioned uh, Caleb, you mentioned that you knew John Rom before. I know from one of the articles I read. You had played a practice round with him at one of the P- three PJ tour events you'd played in. How did how did you how did the 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 I don't know friendship or acquaintance with John Rom come about? Yeah, so it just kind of happened through. Um, we were both playing the American Express that week, okay, which would have been last January, about the same time, to be honest. Um, a year later, yeah, so he won it. Yeah, of course, of course he won. Yeah. You know, he wins everything. Yeah. So <laughs> no shock there. But he uh, basically. I don't know. We just kind of set it up and he was on the buddy green and there was a Callaway relationship. That was kind of the biggest thing. Um, So yeah. And then a guy by the name of Steve Loy, who used to manage Phil Mick or still manages Phil Mickelson used to coach Phil Mickelson kind of set it up for us to play that day, which was pretty cool. Um, I would say then it was a bit more of like me looking up to him, you know, me like, Oh my gosh, here's this big, big, amazing major championship winner. Now it's kind of like, we're friends, you know, so it's interesting how the dynamic has changed. Right. And it's not that I don't respect him. Right. Like I have immense amount of respect for him and I know he has respect for me too, but it, that dynamic has changed over time, but that's kind of how it originally started. And we, it went dark. We didn't really text all year. And then this just kind of came about a year later. And I guess he had been following along with a little bit of amateur golf, college golf and some of my pro stuff, but uh, you know, yeah, he certainly has a lot of high praises of you. Every time he talks to the press about you, he's just so excited to have you on his team. But how cool is that? I mean, is it still a surreal experience for you to 
not only just be on John Rahm's team and to have Tyrrell, to have Kieran, but then you're on the driving range in Mayakoba and you're surrounded by DJ, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, Cam Smith. The list goes on and on. Patrick Reed. Uh, did it ever, I, I know you said it happened so quickly. Has it sunk in for you? Did it sink in for you at any point? <laughs> yeah, like it wasn't necessarily the excitement of being around those guys. It's more necessarily the excitement of knowing that I have a place to play and it's guaranteeing myself to compete against those guys. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. there's yeah. the difference in one there's a difference in Monday qualifying and being there for a week versus knowing that you're a piece, right? And that's one of the things I've been super fortunate with with this opportunity is to be be guaranteed that this year. So um that's that's really what hit me the hardest is like, you know, I'm in my Acoba, I'm in Vegas, and I'm sitting there on the on the green, I'm playing with Cam Smith, and I'm like I didn't just Monday qualify to be here. Like, it's just, it, it was an amazing opportunity that was given to me. And now I'm, I have a spot, right? Like I, I have a guaranteed place to play. And as a elite college player and as any elite college player, the number one thing that you want coming out of school is a highly competitive place to go play. And uh, this has been a tremendous head start on that front. When you watched this year's Amex and you saw what Nick Dunlap did and you saw the avenue to the PGA Tour that's there through PGA Tour University and what have you, and you know that you gave up that portion of growing up. When you growing up chasing the dream, there was no live golf. This is a new dream. This is a new reality and, and, a, and a very serious reality. Um, when you watched what he did uh, and, and you made the decision that you made, um, I'm sure a lot of your teammates and a lot of your peers asked you the question, are you doing the right thing? What makes you convinced that you did the right thing? What makes me convinced knowing it's the, one of the things, and especially on the golf course that makes me convinced knowing it's the right thing is seeing my rate of acceleration through three weeks now of being a professional golfer. I can confidently say that I have, I know for a fact I have gotten better in almost every aspect of my game. Um, and I can only imagine what that's going to be over a couple year start. Right. So um, it's easy to look at what Nick did and say, wow, I wish I would have done that. But the reality is, is an amateur is only one on the PGA tour, like a few times. Right. And mm -hmm. it, it's only been once in the last 30 years. It's not like stay amateur or, or, you know, don't do this and this is what's going to happen, you know, right? So there's no yeah. guarantees in life. So I was just super blessed and thankful for the opportunity to come. And I just, you know, at some point, golf is a job, right? It's it's mm -hmm. how you provide and it's how you uh, – it, it's what we've all wanted to do is be a professional golfer. And this is – there's zero limitations to that. And anybody that says it's shying away from competition, right? Like once I learned that that's not true, like – going from college to playing with major champions and Phil Mickelson and all these other tour players immediately is not in one sense shying away from any competition. So once I've truly learned that and embraced that, it's made me super confident in, in my decision, you know? Gosh, You're, are you really um, 19? So, so, no kidding, right? I, <laughs> no, I, I, I just want to follow with that real quick. I want to follow up real quick, so if if, if you don't mind, he, you mentioned yep. your rate of acceleration is greater than than it would have been otherwise. Um, now, granted, you took a job. Even your coach Brennan Webb said everybody goes to college to get a job offer, and you got the best job offer you're ever going to get, and that is true. Nobody coming out of college hoping to play 
on the PGA Tour is ever going to get that kind of offer. It's a different system. Our system is unique. And to most of us, to all, all of us on our side, we think it's awesome. But you say your rate of acceleration proves to you that you made the right call. Why, why do you think you've had this rate of acceleration in just three weeks? Uh, is that it, it, and I guess what I'm leading to is the team aspect, John Rahm, the major champions you're around, and the fact that everybody's in this together have something to do with that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb here and have a very hot take. I think 98% of the players would agree with me. But being around John Rahm is different, right? When you're playing with John Rahm every day, it, it, it teaches you to for the noise to not affect you, right? So I said that I go, I went out to Arizona the week before Mayakoba, okay? So I'm playing with John Rahm and a couple other pros that week, right? Very successful pros that – and then I'm going into Mayakoba, and I've just spent five days with arguably the best player in the world. Like, I – I have no and competed with him, right? And beat him. Like, there's no reason why I should be nervous. There's no reason why the noise should affect me, right? Because I know that my good golf is good enough to compete, right? And look, he's a different animal, right? Like, when the lights are on, he's a different beast, you know? So that's not the same as playing at Whisper Rock. But on a surface level, looking at it, you know, when you play with John Rahm, it's different than playing with some other pros sometimes, you know, he, he, he is the one of the best players in the world and won major championships for a reason, you know? So just being around him helps me get better. You know, I don't even have to try to get better. I, I seriously don't, I don't have to ask them questions. I don't have to compete, compete with them. I just got to be there. Right. Cause when yeah. you're, when you're there, when you're there, you just subconsciously learn so much and it's just a belief system that constantly keeps getting built. Right. So, and then look, you do that with Rom at home. Right. But I also put it Cam Smith last week. Right. And then I'm now playing with Tyrrell. Right. And now I'll soon probably be playing with DJ and Brooks, you know, so these guys are all in the same bucket of, of skill that you're just going to get better by. Right. Cause you know that they've done it. And if you know you can compete with them, then you know you can do it, right? So that's uh, that's what's really making my transition a bit easier, I think. Yeah, that's why the they say you know, surround yourself with um, you know people that are are better than you and greater. And, and yeah, exactly. I, I you know I've I've always been one to um, you know just be confident on the inside, right? And you know subconscious or not subconsciously, but just inside, be like, yeah, nobody's better than me. Nobody beat me, but. John Rahm is better than me at every aspect of the game. Like if I, if I would rate myself a B plus in one aspect of the game, he might be an A minus, like no matter what it is, he's one of the best, he's the best in every category I've ever met. And he has the best mind. So it's humbly and vulnerably. I have to say that I'm going to get better just because he is truly better than me. Like he knows how to win. He can beat me. My bad golf doesn't beat his bad golf. My great golf doesn't beat his great golf. Does my good golf beat his bad golf? Absolutely. Well, his, but his bad golf beats my bad and his good beats my good, you know? So there's, there's some issues there, right. Over time, but you know, uh, <laughs> I, I know I'm going, I know I'm going off, but on that same point, one of the hardest things has been setting John Rahm as the standard, right? I hit a bad shot on the course. I'm like, God, it's like John wouldn't hit that, you know, but John, John's the best player in the world. Like, you know, I get well, mad he at just, myself. 
just just to make you feel any i don't know if it feels any better for you but he had a cold hard shank on sunday on saturday exactly (laughs) see that helps me that helps sometimes it helps to see that you know when i don't get up and down out of the bunker i'm like gosh I know John's getting that up and down, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> there are a lot of other players that can say that too, you know? So. Yeah. I, I, I want to ask you because you sound like you're dealing with all this with such voice and you're so eloquent and you seem to just have it all together. And as we all know, in the sport, you got to have a support team. You got to have a crew behind you. And mm-hmm. so I want to ask who are those people and what advice have they been given you? Um, because I'm sure not everyone agrees with your decisions to come over to live. How have you been dealing with all that and, and who's behind you? Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, a lot of it's my faith. Like I'm very confident in who I am. I'm very confident that nothing I do or say is going to, you know, comfortably say that it's going to change my life you know like it's going to help my golf career but it's not going to change who I am and right my coach Brennan Webb and Alan Hobbs my agent and a few other my coaches even my teammates right that play a big role in my life have all told me the same thing continue to be who you are right because if I can just go be Caleb Stratt then I'm at least going to enjoy it no matter what happens you know so and and the other thing is I'm also not searching right one one thing that those people I just said have told me is like, don't go search, right? So I'm not going around asking everybody a ton of questions. I'm not I'm not telling myself that I don't have a lot of it figured out, right? Because I'm I'm trying to go compete and win. I'm not trying to go through a learning curve, right? And look, that might come back to bite me, and then I have a bad couple of weeks, but hopefully not. <laughs> but that's just me it. saying that of <laughs> of that I'm doing everything I can to make myself think that we have everything under control. Right. And I, and I believe that we have a lot of control and it just goes back to the same core values of my life and sticking to the same plan, sticking to the same workout plan, sticking to the same eating, hanging out with the same people. You know, my, my life hasn't changed. I think that everybody could confidently say that's around me that I haven't changed from this. Um, and I, that's one thing I'm proud of. Right. Because, look, you're going to receive negativity no matter what you do, because reality is if I if I turn this this opportunity down right and then it gets out one day that Caleb's rad turned down this huge opportunity well then the, the sides are still going to be equal they're still going to be hate on one you know so at some point you can't make everybody happy and you just kind of got to decide who you're serving so i'm just um i'm in this to get better you know i'm in this for my family and i'm in it to learn you know and that's seriously all i can say and that that's what makes me comfortable because i'm not doing it for any other reasons well please read- don't ever change we love you <laughs> No, well, first of all, you're not going to love me anymore if I miss your calls. <laughs> you I have one job. For, well, you got a lot more jobs than that, and a lot more important jobs than that. But we appreciate your time <laughs> very tonight. Much. You, you, uh, you mentioned that this job, this job is what it is. This, your golf doesn't define you. I read in, uh, I think it was some article in like something like Dads of Charlotte, where your dad was quoted. You're very proud, Dad Brent. Of the three of the four kids that he now has who all are competitive in their chosen fields of athletic endeavor, but uh, he doesn't ever want their sport to define who they are. Um, right. In, in doing so, you made a few comments to the press, I believe it was during my cover, maybe it was during early week in Phoenix, where you basically stated um, your goals professionally as, as a competitor. And you, and you apologize for it. You said, I know this is going to come across sounding a little cocky, but this is who I believe that I am. And this is basically, this is where 
who I want to be. And and it's funny because I know Brendan Webb told you, he told us in a little uh, impromptu conference call we had with him, your coach at Tennessee, that the last thing he told you, the only advice he gave you was always remember you were good enough to get there. You don't need to change. You need to get, you, you may need to improve, like you said, but of you course, don't need yes. to change. Uh, right, how, right. How do you go about continuing to improve without and blocking out all the noise? Because when you get to your level of of instant stardom, if you will, as a professional, there's going to be a lot of people out there trying to get a hold of you, trying to latch on, trying to take credit for your game. Yeah, look, and th- there's a lot of truth to that, right? Um, you know, I, one thing I love about my coaches is that they're not the ones to go out and tell everybody that they're working with me. They're the type of people that people walk up to them and say, do you work with Caleb? Right. And that's one thing that I can confidently say about my team, because I try and have coaches around me that are like me and like minded. So, look, we keep a very tight bunch. Um, You know, the one thing I've learned with Rom is he keeps it the same way. Right. He's got his he's got his people. Right. I have my people and I'm nice to everybody else. You know, I, I truly believe that, like, gratitude is the opposite of negativity. And that's something I've really tried to incorporate these first couple of weeks, because, any chance I can get to be nice to somebody makes me feel just a little bit better, you know? And if, I mean, if you feel better, you're probably going to play better too. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of coping mechanisms, right. You know, but a lot of it is just sticking to who I am, you know, realizing that, you know, the result necessarily doesn't define me. You know, does a lot of people look at Caleb Surratt as a golfer? Yes. Am I a golfer? Yes, that's true. But, you know, if if I'm going to ride on a roller coaster of when, last when last well my happiness is just going to follow it right so i just try and stay on the same path and hopefully that path is like this a little bit <laughs> but um because i because i do want to win i you know i do want to be one of the best players in the world that that is my golfing goals um and that's that's nothing to shy away from and uh but I, i'm excited to compete and i'm continuing to learn and get better and i know i think i'll get there one day if i just keep the same circle around me and keep trying to beat john rom because <laughs> Beat John, you'll be fine. You're three Win for six. Down, beat John. Huh? You're three for six, by the way. You're three for six in uh, live golf history. You've beat him three rounds out of six. Oh, really? So we're tied. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, well um, I think he tied one too. Well, we, um, yeah, the problem is his good rounds have just been so much better than my good rounds. That's the issue. <laughs> I was looking at the points the other day, and, you know, he's got like 42 and I got like 11. So, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Well, as you, long as I can, to... if I could just be in the conversation, that's fine. With with John, oh, you're in the uh, conversation. Don't, don't ever I'm doubt just, that. <laughs> if I'm in the boat with John, then we're uh, we're trending. So that's all, that's he, all we need. He, he let's go back you. to yeah. Let's go back to Maya Koba. Yeah, okay. I know, Sorry, he did so. handpick you. Um, yes. Let's go back to Mayakoba because that was Legion thirteen. You guys were the new yeah. kids on the block. You came in and you just go were boss you came in you dominated that at performance um let's go back to to the 17th hole which i'm sure you hate the most at mayakoba <laughs> didn't perform that great on those those three days on that hole um but oh, anyways i, I wanted hole. to ask you you went bogey <laughs> you went bogey and you triple right you four double trip bogey double triple just not to re- not to rehash bogey double triple right yeah. no yeah, yeah. but Five, what six, was seven. impressive what was impressive about that was then you finished with five straight birdies. Um, what was going through your mind when you walked off the 17th green? Well, one, I was my two iron. I was about to have 13 clubs in the bag. Um, that was where I was really struggling. 
Because that T-ball, I'm going to have some of my friends I met in Mayakoba cut down that tree on the left right off the box. So uh, <laughs> I think John John might do me a solid if I do that, get them to do that too. So, um, yeah. but look, no, I'm walking off the 17th green, right? And we go from a four shot lead to a one shot lead. I'm walking up to the 17th green and I have the easiest little up the hill nudge ball, right? Like 20 feet from the hole for, for par. Right. For, yeah, four. for par. Yeah. For yeah. Par, yeah. And I'm like, Okay, I'm looking at the leaderboard. We literally have a four-shot lead, and I'm like, oh, we're fine. I'm going to make a bogey. We're going to be no big deal. I got a couple easy holes coming in. If I hit good T-balls, you know, four feet, and then I knock it four feet by the hole, and then I'm like, oh, shoot, this looks so fast. <laughs> and then I I was so scared of this putt that I didn't even line it up. I lined all my putts up, and I didn't even line this up because I was so concerned about the speed, and I just kind of like just kind of you know, just nudged it. And, uh, of course it didn't have a chance to go in and it went about four feet by. And now I'm looking at this four feet at footer. And now I'm thinking this probably has no chance to go in because I already, I'm yesterday. I missed, I really hope John doesn't listen to this interview. Cause then yesterday <laughs> I, I missed, I missed a four footer right up the hill for bogey. And the first round I missed a four footer up the hill for par. And I was like, I was like, Oh God, like, please just go in. And then, um, and then I was like, well, shoot. And the worst part was about it all is like, of course, we're playing as a team, right? You care about the team. But at the same time, like, I'm trying to play good as an individual. You know, I'm in 15th place in my first start playing pretty good that day. I'm cruising. I'm like three under. And, um, you know, and I see myself drop down to like 28th. And I'm like, oh, shoot, you know. And so, And then I hit this little toe banger up the left on the next hole and hit the side of the bunker. Got a really good bounce into the middle of the fairway. <laughs> And then just went on air, toe banger. Yeah, went on a a heater. My friends call it took a trip to the Pentagon. So, (laughs) (laughs) and then the process that was fun. That was so fun. I I look at Brandon on the fourth green after I tap in for birdie, and I'm just like, You're welcome. (laughs) I was like, I was like, Well. I lost it for us and we won it for us. So that was fun. Yes. Yeah. No, but what, what I was curious about, because I know there was a leaderboard on the 17th green and you had to walk up to the 18th, which by the way, was not an easy T ball either. That was terrifying. Um, so what was your mindset though? When, after that, you know, you, you had to pretty much recompose, oh, recompose, um, you had to compose yourself going up to the 18th tee and then you did what you did, but what was your mindset? What was going through your actual head walking up to the 18th tee? Yeah. Two things. One, don't go right because <laughs> I know you shouldn't tell yourself what to do, but if there's ever a time to tell yourself to not go right, it's probably on 18. So, um, and then two, I was just telling myself like, we're going to get this back. Like I'm not going to be shaken by any of this. Like it's just that same stuff, right? Just trying to go back to who I am. I'm not going to get kind of defined by the moment. And, you know, there was negative thoughts of like, you know, for a split second, like I was thinking, I'm like, I've already received so much backlash. How much backlash is the 19-year-old going to receive when he loses the team and finishes five over in his last couple holes? You know, it's like, who he's not fit for this. And I wanted to block out a lot of that negativity. You know, I, I was done with it, right? Like I'm, I wanted to kind of, put my foot down. I wanted to, I wanted to grind and get it back. And sure enough, like we did, you know, obviously, but um, yeah. So aside from not going right, I was just, <laughs> I, I was just, I was just telling myself no more bogeys at first. And then when I made that first birdie, I was like, let's go get the next one. Cause I knew if I hit a good T ball on one, one's birdieable. And then the rest of the way in just requires good T balls. And um, you know, I, I yeah, that just, 12 yard fairway on first. 
It's terrifying. Yeah. It's seriously yeah. terrifying. I, 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 it's been my favorite topic this week. Being back in Knoxville is telling all my friends how terrifying of course El Chameleon is. It's just yeah. terrifying. So we have these strips at Tennessee, like wedge strips. And I'm serious. I said the best thing you can ever do for your driver is go out 300 yards away and try and land your drive on the wedge strip. Because if you don't, you're making bogeys in Mayakoba. So <laughs> when you make it to the tour over there, or if you ever get on the lift tour and go play in Mayakoba, that's what you're going to have to do. So, you know, Suan asked what asked you what you were saying to yourself before you went, uh, authored your trip to the Pentagon against all those self doubts walking to the T. <laughs> don't you have, I remember reading some, don't you have a little something that you do say to yourself uh, all the time while you're competing? And I forget, it was a very, almost an inspirational quote. Yeah, it's a verse for mine. It's it's just that like I will not be shaken, you know, and like I just told myself that the moments ha the moment of being here hasn't shaken me by in any any way, right? I've been composed. I've done my work how I should. Being around John Rahm hasn't shaken me. You know, playing good hasn't shaken me. So I'm not gonna let just golf screw me over for the week, right? Like that's I'm I'm way past that. You know, that's. I like to think of myself as a mature 19 year old and a guy that has some stuff together, like in, in the golf world. And I know that that person react does not react how I reacted to final four holes. So that was something I was really proud of. Cause I just kept telling myself that on every shot and it was just motivating. And, um, you know, I, I uh, you know, told myself the same thing in, in Vegas all week. And every time I was kind of in a bad spot, that helps me overcome. Well, what, uh fast forward to then you guys winning that week as a team what was going through your mind then when you realized you've just won the first live golf event as a team with John Rahm as your captain like was it just did it happen so quickly that you couldn't process it or were you just like soaking it in at that point I don't know. I, I just still don't have words. Like I was, I was just as surprised as everybody. I'm not going to be one of the people that are like, Oh yeah, I knew we were going to win. That's not me. I was like, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how good everybody was. I didn't know how good I was out there yet. I didn't know how good anybody on our team was out there yet. And, you know, I, one thing I am in great favor of, um, you know, just kind of learning the team aspect of live tour is how all four scores count on Sunday. And, you know, I, I'm not in any position of power to ever um, ask for anything or, or push any of my ideas down the line. You know, I'm not there yet. Maybe a couple major, major championships later in the future. But if I ever did have an idea, it'd be that all four count always because it's it's fair. Right. Um, and I think we are deep. And, you know, of course, maybe not on paper. Right. Like you have John, you have Tyrrell and you have who are obviously well-decorated Ryder Cup players, right? But then you have me and Kieran who, you know, nobody probably expected any any of that, you know? And I, I did. You know, I, I have belief, and I know Kieran has belief, but it was nice to kind of just make a statement like that week one, you know? Like, it just – not that you ever want to be scared of the negativity, but it took negativity away. And, look, there was a lot of fans in Vegas wearing our hat. You know, like that was that was really cool. I was really pleased with how many people there was out there. That was one thing I was so surprised with and live is how many people come. Um, so it's been nothing but a great experience. Um, you know, it's been nice. Like. I'm not a spotlight guy, right? I'm not like in it for the fame by any means, but. 
I do believe that you have to be under the spotlight to get better sometimes, you know, like diamonds are formed under pressure and there's no, and if you're in last place and you're just kind of plugging along, there's nobody, there's no pressure, you know, and kind of learning how to play when you're expected to win is it's different, you know? So, mm -hmm. um, and look, we didn't win last week, obviously, because that's because the field is so good, but we still gave, we still did not have an awful week, you know? So, um, we're going to keep getting better. Um, me and Kieran are going to continue to learn, you know, John's going to stop shanking the ball eventually. So <laughs> we'll be good. <laughs> Gosh, I, if he, I, I, this might be my last call with you guys if he watches his interviews. But he had a shank and a half, a shank and a half on Sunday. By the way, on the front night he had a semi shank as well. Yeah, that's um, all right. If how I the hell did you put a Masters and a U.S. Open under my belt and just know I'm going to shank it every once in a while? I'll do it. So and, and counting, and I and I think he's on everybody's short list to win another major or two this year. Um, how did you get so damn mature at 19 years old? Is that your parents? I don't know. I don't know. I got a girlfriend who's three years older than me, so that might help a little bit. So, Ooh, um, there's there's a soundbite for the viral stuff. There you yeah. go, yeah. There it is. <laughs> um, hey, not for long, though. March 16th, coming up, baby, 20. Um, mm. So, oh, but I don't know. I, I just think a lot of that independent factor that I was telling you about, right, at a younger age than most, um, I've had – you know, Brennan Webb is a very overlooked coach in my opinion. Like he, he makes competitors, he makes tough men. And I know I wasn't here for a while, but I've had a relationship with him longer than I've been here. And he has really helped form me into the person that I am. Um, and then, uh, you know, there's, there's nobody tougher than John. So just keep, you know, Good point. when in doubt, go back to John. Cause, um, that's, that's helped me be a lot, a lot tougher and more mature too. What's the best advice he's ever given you? Sometimes it's just the little stuff, like same stuff, different day. You know, just like I, I'm I'm a I'm a confirmation person, meaning like I like having confirmation on stuff. And sometimes I walk up to him before the round and I'm like, Any thoughts for today? Just you know, just same stuff. You you can change it any day. And he's like, Bro, it's just the same stuff on a different day. That's all it is. And it sometimes that sounds shallow and that sounds what you'd hear at your local pro from the driving range, but you know, that's, there's, there's magnitude to that. If you, if you really let it soak in. Um, and I, and I've learned to not change anything because of little stuff like that. He He's given me a lot of that advice, but then he's given me real tips, right. That I haven't talked about to anybody yet. Like he has totally helped my short game. Um, you know, he just being around him helps me drive the ball better because he drives the ball on a string, but you know, but short game, especially cause I've always been a little, you know, will heal up, you know, just like anti-chunk motion. And he always makes fun of me not putting any spin on it. So, but <laughs> hey, I showed him this video in Vegas. I spun a ball back from 30 yards and he was like, give me the biggest hug ever. So that was amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. Proud, proud papa moment. Matter of fact, you it thought was he was so old. good. You thought he was older than 29, according to the stories. <laughs> I still do. <laughs> <laughs> he, I mean... You better hope he's yeah. not listening to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. That's I probably shouldn't say that. But he um <laughs> he yeah, I did. I, I did. I asked. I don't I don't remember exactly how it went, but I thought he was a good little a good little like yeah. ten years older than he is. I don't know. He's just <laughs> it was just the beard. It's just the beard. It's just the beard. And maybe it's because I haven't seen any facial hair on myself yet, so I'm just not there yet. But um 
that's brilliant. That's so good. That's I'm just so, so good. good. I'm so oh, good. That's so good. Oh no, um, no, no. He said he said he 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 mentioned something about sending a video. I think this was Sunday morning oh, exactly of Mayakoa. Come on, give us a little, just a little like glimpse into what that video was about. What do he say? And yeah, just to share that with us. It wasn't a video. He 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 does like he he loves his little YouTube videos. So he sent us. He sends us like a motivational, you know, like David Goggins or Deion Sanders, you know, bring me my theme music um, videos before the before the rounds. But that day was interesting. He sent like a Sevy quote. It was actually just a picture. I remember he he said in an interview that he wasn't going to comment on what it said. So I'm not going to be the little, you know, the little like uh, That's sidekick, right. <laughs> the little sidekick to spoil it. But yeah, he. Uh, he he's a good leader, you know. He and he does care about us, you know. Like it's easy. I think it's easy to kind of just be John Rom and be a major champion and just be all by yourself. But he is. He cares about the betterment of the game. He cares about my game. He cares about my progression. He cares about Kieran's progression, and he cares about you know Tyrrell as a friend. So um, he is a good leader. He knows how to lead us. Um, you know, I like to think of Kieran as my as my little buddy, and then they can be buddies. But that's also not true because Kieran's like twenty seven, so he's actually closer to <laughs> John's age than my <laughs> age. So um, I'm a lot more the oddball than I thought. But um, John sent a funny video or a funny picture after the final round of I don't know if you ever watched the Minions. I'm going. I'm going. Yes, into like I real, love real, the Minions in like real teenager days right now. But he sent a picture of the Minions, and he was grew. And then he just had like three, three tiny little minions beside him in an interview. <laughs> and it was the best picture uh, it, it, in, in the next event. I'm going to show somebody that picture so it can get leaked. And that, that has to be that. the, that has to be the group chat profile picture then. Shouldn't it? Oh, it's amazing. It, it, it's gotta be at least something, at least something. Oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. I, I was thinking that image and then just put like Mayakoba champions under it, you know? Make T-shirts. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yes. Now we're getting somewhere. Do you, That's brilliant. Do you do you think that um, because this happened so quickly for you, uh, and you are much? I mean, you're the two weeks before you started with Lib. You're playing team competition with University of Tennessee. Uh, you you played your first li or however many weeks it was. You play your first live event the same week that Taro plays his first live event. Ron plays his first live event. Do you think your recency with team competition kind of made that aspect of it a little less foreign to you than it certainly was to John and to Terrell? Honestly, no. Maybe a little bit. I think when it comes down to the wire, yes. Not at the start, you know, not round one, not round two. But when it comes down to the final four holes, college golf teaches you to rely on other people. Um, it teaches you to trust your teammates, rely on your teammates, because you can't do it all by yourself, you know? Like... So when I when we're when I look up at the Vegas leaderboard, right, in the final round and we're five back with 14 holes to go, I'm like, we can make that up easy. Is Caleb Surratt gonna play the next nine holes eight under? Probably not. I wish, but probably not. But you know, I have confidence and I know from seeing exactly how it unfolds in college golf that that stuff can happen, you know. So that that made it easier, but the biggest thing is John is just huge and I'm the same way of just playing your game. Like John, I, I can promise you 
John is not altering his decision and thought process based on a team result. Like he's trying to go be the best player in birdie every hole. And he encourages us to do the same things, you know, and I think that's what at least right. You know, not only does that raise our ceiling of really good golf, but it, it raises our floor, right? Cause when one man has a bad day, somebody else is stepping up every day. So um, it's motivating to see. I want to ask you this question. Where do you see yourself in five years? I see myself married, if that means anything. I don't know. <laughs> I think, I don't wow. know. Maybe. I see breaking myself. News. <laughs> More breaking I mean, news. I didn't know that that was, I didn't know. Is this a golf question or what? But um, it does, it, anything, it could be anything. I, yeah, Absolutely. no, I get it. Whatever you I want to do. Myself. It's not a golf question anymore. <laughs> yeah, I know. I already ruined it. Um, no, I, I think in the next five years, I would like to say I would like to have at least five big wins one a year um you know of course it's going to be you know of course hopefully this all comes together at some point you know because i want to be a guy that can compete on every level but getting in the majors like that's going to be a bit of a struggle maybe than some guys early but everybody's got to go through the same qualifying processes anyways and i i would like to think in five years i have absolutely the potential and and the ceiling to go win a major um you know, I, I don't really measure myself on golf tournaments, you know, so I'm not going to – I don't define my professional career based on a major championship or not, but I think that that would be really cool, and I think that – I think that I'll undoubtedly have went won a couple times on live. I think that's a, that's my goal right now is to – my goal is to win this year individually, and that's kind of all I'm focused on for now. Well, you're off to a hot start, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you just got to – outside type 13 in the last two events, so – well, you know, well, not that not that you've done the math, and I don't know how Tennessee is on math. That you sound like a very educated man, and most of the friends they teach I know you, they to, teach you that in the third year. Most of the friends I know that went to Tennessee weren't quite you know at your level, but uh, <laughs> if not, you not if you had if you had played the seventeenth hole even part of you know where that puts you, right? Did I what top three? Well, no, one back for the playoff. That's how well you played. That's how well you played in your first event as a pro against an incredible world-class field on one of the toughest courses. They, well, yeah. I can't say it was one of the toughest story. courses they play, but it's an awesome course. I'm a, uh, I love hard conditions. And, you know, that final round in Vegas, I was sitting there thinking, there was thoughts in my head that were thinking, Caleb, if you can go get five, six, seven, eight under, you can win this. Like, yeah. And I had two three putts in the final round and missed four other putts inside of seven feet. And not that that's like saying, oh, I should have won. Like, because look, maybe if I don't triple 17, maybe I don't birdie five in a row, you know? So right. you never know. Right. You never know how it plays out. But looking at the stats there, it's just the easy stuff that has to be cleaned up, um, you know, because – in Vegas, if I really am rock solid on the greens that week, and look, if if I am in that final round, maybe I'm having some different pressure to deal with, you know, so you never know how I'm going to finish. But just looking at the hard facts, the truth is that if, I, if I'm really solid in the final round, I, I could have won there. Um, yeah. But look, I didn't know going into the week that, so that's all just a part of getting better. Um, I think that I'm definitely going to – learn to put myself in contention more, you know, cause I think I've been kind of on the backside of contention, you know, more like fighting for a really good finish rather than fighting to win. And I would like to really get in the spot this year 
hopefully soon, like to where I'm chasing a bit more, you know, I'm a bit more like closer to that lead going into the final round. Right. And then just let it all unfold. And I've always told every junior golfer, every kid that asked me, not that anybody should be coming to me for advice because that'd be somebody be crazy to do that. But, um, I've always asked anyone that ever, that ever has asked me is that it's, it's an absolute necessity to experience failure before you can become a proven champion, right? Like you have to learn how to win before you do win, right? Because it, it's not just going to happen. You know, the players are too good. And I would like to think I know how to win, but I know there's more stuff I'm going to have to learn to beat John Rahm and Brooks Kepko. you know? So, but that's my goal this year is to win an event. Hopefully that's the individual championship, but um, that's just bias. <laughs> but, <laughs> I, well, I think, I think after I this it. interview, you'll be getting a lot of calls uh, for advice. Um, you, yes. You've said some amazing stuff and even stuff that I feel I can learn from, you know, and, and, and we're all <laughs> learning, aren't we? Um, well, I know, I know well, Mayakoba was your second or maybe third trip outside the United States, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, looking at this year's schedule, uh, we're two down. We've got 12 to go. Um, well, 11 plus the team championships. Which venue are you the most excited about? It's hard to not say Nashville because that's home state. You know, I'm going to have a lot of people there. I think I think we might get like 100 team tickets or something. Maybe I heard through the grapevine <laughs> and I've already told Koski that I'm getting like 85 of those this week. Um, so Rob can have his family, but like I'm taking the rest because <laughs> I'm going to have much <laughs> friends and family there. So I'm really excited for that one. But I keep hearing a lot about Adelaide. You know, I don't know what it is. I've never been down there. Hopefully our plane makes it. That's a lot. It's a big trip. I'm kind of scared about that one. But um, that is uh, that one's going to be cool. I, I've heard that like what what numbers you guys know better than I. 80,000 people last year. I think um, we're north of that was, this year. We're at 100,000 ticket sales this year. It was 27,000 a day last year, and they've expanded it for this year, including Pro-Am Day. Wow. So you'll, you'll love that's it. That's going to be a lot of you'll people I've played in front of. I've played a lot in front of a lot of people. I know how to play in front of a lot of people, but hundred thousand, um, you know, I'm excited for that week because it's going to be impossible to hit the ball OB, you know, cause it'll probably just trickle into a fan's lap. So yeah. triple OB. So that'll make it easier. It is pretty uh -huh. claustrophobic with the, you know, it's just lines and lines of fans and, and literally like, the rope is right uh, close to that fairway. You're like two, three paces off the fairway. It's it's awesome, and you'll oh, have such a treat. It's gonna be so yeah. cool. I hope I can True. like. I hope I can play well before we get there. That way, you know, it's kind of. <laughs> I want to start. Getting, I want to start getting in the feature groups. That's my goal. Like that's that's yeah. another goal in my mind this year is to. Well, we know we know it. somebody but, who can make that happen. Just just saying. Yeah. <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> One day, but you're one day. like I tell, I've been I've been doing TV golf TV longer than you've been alive by a lot actually. That and is whenever, very true. Yeah. Whenever a parent uh, <laughs> or a player or a caddy complains to me that they're not getting on TV enough, I said you're way more in control of that than than I am. So you know you're in control of that. Now the Grange, the course we're going to in Adelaide, is a really awesome golf course, and it's a traditional style, a lot of dog legs. Also, where Greg Norman won his Mister Norman. Won his first professional event, um, and the fans are, are 
Australians know how to have fun. Now, obviously, we saw what happened at the Waste Management Phoenix Open, which is a tournament I absolutely love. I love going to. And I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it crossed some major line. But there will be a little bit of that element in Australia. But the cool thing about Australia is, is they police themselves. When somebody's being rude to you, the rest of them get on them. And, and like when they surrounded the green on 18 when Gooch was winning, nobody stepped in the bunker, much less snow angels. Nobody even stepped in the bunker because they policed themselves. So you're going to love it down there, young man. You're absolutely going to love that trip. But Now, in the was there a hole in one last year? On yes, the, uh, Chase Kepka. On the famous hole? Yes, on there the watering was. hole. Yes. Yeah, Chase yes, Kepka. Yes, yes. That was yeah. such an epic moment. I was on the 10th. And I could hear that. What hole is that on? Twelve? Seven? Seven, wasn't Seven? it? I don't know where it was, but yeah. it was just like, it was so loud. Like the whole place just, yeah. oh, it was just so, that's so be, awesome. That's not going to be the size of 16 at Waste Management, but it's going to be rather large and it'll be fun. When you, obviously your parents were consulted in this. Um, your mom is a nurse, right? A hospice nurse? Hospice nurse, yes, sir. Yeah, and dad is uh, does real estate. Um, when you consulted them, um, and enough of the sir shit, old people don't like being reminded, seriously. I know you're from Charlotte, but... You know, that is one piece of backlash I've been getting from everybody. Even, <laughs> so I go to Rob's house, I'm calling his wife Miss Rob, like, Ooh. when I meet her, and she's like, it's Kelly! It's Kelly! Stop calling me Miss Rob! And I was like, sorry, I'm from Tennessee, I'm from Char I'm from North Carolina. I, uh, yeah. not, okay, anyways, continue. No, I love it. That's a sign of respect, and I and I get it. Um, and I hear it way too often now. But uh, what did what what did mom and dad say when you told them you were considering this? Uh, I, I mean, let me preface that by saying I know the background. I know you guys didn't have unlimited resources like a lot of people who excel in in certain sports, especially golf, at a young age. But it, it, you weren't suffering either. What did they have to say uh, when you told them you were considering this? Yeah, I think my dad was like the happiest person in the world truly like really I can, I can confidently say that um he my dad was the guy that was behind the scenes like texting alan every day like we need to get this done we need to come on like come on contract now come on let's we get before somebody screws this up we need to do this like and, and it look it's not even about the financial piece he wants me to grow as a player he he was ready for a next challenge for me not necessarily next chapter in life maybe but just a next challenge, right? Like a next goal. And he saw this as the perfect opportunity. He he knows where my heart is. And look, it probably wouldn't be the same level of opportunity if it wasn't on John Rahm's team. Um, you know, so that's that's not throwing shade on anybody else's team. I'd be grateful to be here no matter what. But throwing having John Rahm as your mentor every day is on the golf course is that's a different level of opportunity. And he saw that because he's, he's very well educated and he really, really, really was excited. Um, my mom, my mom has never really played big role in like golf decisions. She doesn't really want to, she's kind of like love support hugs, kisses, you know, like cheerleader mom sometimes, which I love because she doesn't care if I win or lose, you know, like my dad's the one that gets on me, you know, when stuff's going really bad or helps me out when stuff's going really bad. My mom, like, she doesn't know what 80 or 60 is, you know? So um, she was like, I go in and tell her one day and she's like, oh, cool. And I'm like, and she's like, what's that? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, and, and she was like, well, can you still play major championships one day? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, oh, cool. Have fun. That'd be great. And I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Sweet. 
And I think once she learned a little bit more, she had a lot of like mothering questions, you know, because she's worried about, oh, well, how are you going to get from the airport in Hong Kong to the golf course? And I'm like, that's the least of my worries. And there's so many people that help out because everything's so well run. But that's that's what's going through her mind. She's not going yeah. through the other, you know, stuff. So yeah. it, was, it was a great team moment. Everybody was excited. Family was super excited. Um, everybody's excited about the next chapter. And even my even my teammates, I know that's not a part of your question, but like everybody's been in support of, yeah. of my decision and uh, sees the benefit in it. Well, Caleb, thank you so much for your time. We are excited to continue watching you play, you compete at the highest level, and I'm sure we'll be watching you lift that trophy at some point this year. Um, <laughs> that was a fascinating oh, cool. conversation. Thank you so much for your time. Anyway, and, I got a favorite. Uh, I got a. I got a favorite. Ask Caleb. Um, Fifteen minutes I'm early old. next time. Yeah, no, I'm old. <laughs> well, that and, yes. <laughs> uh, I'm an I'm an old uh, has been who never really quite was. But when I was young, my first year as a pro, uh, playing the then Ben Hogan tour, believe it or not, you, your dad will know what that was. It's now the Corn Ferry tour. But there was a clothing company that offered me free clothes, and they were like an extreme sports clothing company before extreme sports were in the Olympics, called No Fear. And they gave me a shopping cart and they let me push around a cart and fill it with all the clothes I wanted. I'd never had anything like that before because I grew up of, you know, pretty blue collar beginning. And to this day, the only thing I have from that year is this no fear sweatshirt that embarrasses the hell out of my son because I take it everywhere and I and I always wear it. And it's hideous. <laughs> it's absolutely hideous looking. But what yeah. I only favor I ask my advice from an old man to a young man um, is uh is keep something from this year to embarrass your children with when you're in 40 years just just because it'll always remind you where you came from i will not take that lightly i'm gonna start looking for things every day i got plenty of stuff that'll embarrass my kids don't you worry perfect, perfect. <laughs> all right caleb have a great night and we'll see you in saudi arabia Jeddah. Yeah. All right. Safe travels. Good. All right. Thank you guys. All Thanks right. For the Take time. care now. Yeah, really. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Bye. Uh, Fascinating. Wow. Fascinating. Fascinating. Yes. yes. That was. Fasc wow. I'm blown away. I didn't. I, didn't I literally that. am blown away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That that oh, kid I mean, has quite the future. No matter what he does, where he's gonna be. Yeah. He's going to be a successful young man. That head and, on his um, shoulders at 19, Suan. I mean, you're, you're, I give you grief all the time. You are an extremely intelligent person with a, huge, a great head on their shoulders. But that's 17 years ago for you. Would you have been able to speak like that, much less think like that? I know I couldn't. No, I mean, I think, you know, I think something that we have in common, I would say, is that we got thrown into the deep end pretty young. Like I had to learn how to be independent from a really young age, too, just because I left and went to Australia. But like to be then, but I was just an amateur, you know, I was yeah. just beginning trying to figure out what I was trying to do with my life. Like he is 19, successful. He's had a decorated amateur career this is a big decision that he's had to make, right? He has had to weigh so many options from the major championships to what he wants to achieve in his life and college, his teammates. I mean, just for him to have to process all those things and yeah. think the way he thinks it's amazing. is just amazing. And, and I'm because so glad we got to talk to him and get to know him because 
we would not have seen that side of him. You know what I mean? No, no. And neither would the viewers or the listeners. Um, and, and there's a, there's a confidence there. There's an air of confidence that is so far from feel from sounding like he feels entitled or cocky. And that, that is the rarest quality amongst young, uh, hopeful superstars in all sports is that, is that confidence, the belief in yourself, which you cannot teach, um, but mm -hmm. not the arrogance and cockiness and, and entitlement uh, mentality that that makes you feel like, oh, they're just the, somebody's told them they deserve it. They don't. And he knows that right. he has to earn it. And that is so damn cool. Yeah, he's got some he's got some great roots. And, and I think the one thing that I that really just hit me hard when he said it was gratitude is on the opposite side of negativity. Yeah, I wrote it down. That is a quote <laughs> that needs to go on a T-shirt somewhere. Yes, um, it does. Because, because wow, I mean, yeah, I, I, I was so, I'm so happy we got to chat with him. Yeah, you know, I will not. The other one I wrote down was, "I will not be shaken." So next time yeah. you try and piss me off, just remember I was saying that to myself. I will. Oh, not I can be shake you, Jerry. I no, can not shake you. You can't shake jelly me. farts. Oh, I can oh, shake yeah. you. That might shake me a little bit. <laughs> anyways thank you so much for joining us on this episode i hope you got as much out of it as we did um do subscribe to our channel you can find us wherever you find your podcast and uh, if you want to watch this on video uh, you can catch it on our youtube page as well as live golf plus which is our streaming app till next week we'll see you then thanks jerry